Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 23 of The Spy Who Loved Mega Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Denji Sentai Mega Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listener. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you doing today? Doing pretty well, Matt. Uh, We're nearing the end of the first quarter of Mm -hmm. the academic year, which means I am now fielding a bunch of emails from kids who haven't done anything for nine weeks, and I'll be like, how do I get my grade up? And my answer is, you have to learn some stuff. Um, <laughs> have which you, is have not you as... found uh, that with this quarter of like everyone doing things remotely that the percentage of students who have just like completely not engaged with your classes is higher? You know, you would... I, I think you would have... I would have guessed that that was going to be the case. And my experience is that it is actually not. Yeah. It is, as a percentage, it is the exact same number of kids. Um, it might be. Oh, I think we've talked about this. How like there are probably different students who like have moved from one side of that equation to the other based on the yeah, circumstances. But yeah, it's still I think about that the same is number. Precisely, I think that is definitely true. But as far as just like raw numbers go, you know, um, even when we are in the building, I have, de- you know, I'm okay depending on the class, obviously. But you know, there's always. It's sadly high, to be honest. Um, they're just like a number of kids who are like, they will just sit there and like they don't even make trouble. I mean, some of them do make trouble. But weirdly, the kids who make trouble oftentimes also do work. They're just generally engaged. Be, yeah, they're like engaged on some level. Like you may have to hound them, but they will eventually do stuff. Whereas, whereas, and what I, you know... Sorry, real quickly, I do need to divert, Matt, because I'm talking about doing work. And when I mean, when I say doing work, I mean going through the practice and exercises to teach you the skills that you are, that I'm trying to teach you. It's not just work. Right. I just want to put that out there, that I am not the sort of teacher who's like, I gave you 13 works and you only did 10 (laughs) works. And so you got to be like, that's not where I'm at. Um, I'm actually really invested in something called standards-based grading. Um, you can look it up. It's great stuff. Anyways, none of that is the point. I am just fielding a bunch of emails right now. Uh, how, are, how are you? I mean, not right now, right now, because right now I'm doing the show. Yeah, that would be very I, rude to me and our listeners. Yeah, that would be. And I, no, I actually, I don't do, my work is really weird this year because I am doing, I think we talked about this, I'm doing way more work Mm-hmm. in a sense but because i am working from home you know I'm, like i said like a really hard cutoff like i don't do anything after like work hours like i don't right. check my email like nothing and so uh so obviously i'm not doing that right now but sure. earlier today cool well thanks for the yeah. update for, for a given value sure <laughs> yeah but you know what definitely is cool dave is episode 23 of Denji Sentai Mega Ranger. It is called... Title... I feel like you should have looked this up ahead of time. Definitely should have. Thought I did. Yeah, now... Actually did you know, and then didn't write it down. 
So the only down, so we're doing a video call and I like it, but the only downside of a video call is that I do find myself reacting in visual ways to things that you're saying, which is fine for us. But this show is a purely auditory medium. Right. We are not recording (laughs) this video If I'm not looking at you, yeah, like if I'm looking at you, rather, if I'm not looking at you, I remember to verbalize all of the stuff that I'm, that I'm sort of processing uh, and, but if I am looking at a picture of you, I'll just like point at you, and that doesn't do anything for the audience. What we need to do, Dave, is we need to start recording the video and have that be part of our special Patreon content, so that people can get the visual cues. Uh, that would okay. So there's a few steps. You're you've uh, you've jumped ahead a few steps. The first step is that we would need to have a Patreon. Well, sure, you know, but listen. We can we can deal with all that uh, behind the scenes. Dave, today's episode is called Why My Egg is a Nezere Beast. And the title is a spoiler, but it's only a spoiler to Kenta because Kenta is an idiot. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's that's talking about the episode, which we're not doing yet, Dave. Because first, as always, Dave, Shining in the Heavens... There are five stars. It's our officially award-winning opening segment. Dave, what's our first star of the week? So, Matt, our first star of the week is this episode is actually a pretty big milestone. Yeah, episode this 23 is the... of Denji Sentai Mega Ranger. Of Mega Ranger, yeah. Uh, it, well, it is that. That's certainly true. And it is wild that we are in... I, we talk about this every year. But, like, it feels like you go through... Okay. You know how as you get older, you go through years more quickly and more quickly? Mm-hmm. I feel like seasons of, of Super Sentai are the same way. Well, you know, what's... Like, the first season of Die Ranger seemed like it went for so long. And now that we're into season six of this show... Five? Six. Six. Now that we're into season six of this show, it does feel like the... The series go by way faster. Well, you know, that but Dave, that's not actually the... Yeah, that, that I think is why we miss more episodes now than we used to. Because we're just trying to drag out the feeling. It feels like it's going so much more faster. So we need to just <laughs> periodically pump those brakes. Um, anyways, but the actual uh, milestone of this episode... This is the 300th episode. Yes. Of the Super Sentai Brothers, Matt. Well, it is... It, okay, so... It, it, this is a point of clarification that matters to literally no one but me. It is the 300... I think it matters probably to Mark and Brian. Sure. This is the 300th episode of the Super Sentai Brothers as a podcast experience. It is not the 300th episode of the show that we do every week. Which is to say that we've, you know, we are now 23 episodes into the sixth season... And we have done every episode of those shows up to this point. But there yes. are other things that happen in this feed. And those things are have also added up to the like added up to the total of three hundred. So that's like when Mark and Brian come in and they do uh the Spider Man who loved me, uh, or when Mark and I have done You Only Live Man twice, or when Mark and yep. his daughter Ivy have done Oh gosh, what was that one called? It was really oh, good. Oh man, I don't know. It's no, no, no. Don't, uh, don't bring it back to anybody's memory. It was like a thousand times more charming than anything <laughs> we've ever done. And if we want to maintain an episode, an audience, we can't 
remind people that it exists. Uh, and it also includes our special episodes, like when we did the catch-up episodes to fill out the Creature Royale when we started that segment yeah, up. Yeah, okay. Was, and it includes... The, it's uh, three... Okay, yes, Matt. It includes a, a number Dave, of things. Dave, I'm just taking a walk Don't, down memory you're, lane here. You're, you're tarnishing. You're tarnishing no, is what Dave, you're doing, I'm, Dave, I... You're I, taking a walk I'm, down tarnish lane. I'm celebrating the full catalog is what I'm doing. Would you, would and, you want someone <laughs> to forget about Ringu Ranger... Uh, our okay i actually that is my personal most listened to episode the one that you have gone back and listened to the man is waiting you've got to jump into action power bombs drop kicks and drago fighters faction Shake the earth and tear the sky. Evil's on the ropes, you guys. Ringo Rangers wins! Wins! Yeah, I do periodically go back and listen to it. And uh, it's some of our better work. It does hold up, I think. It is. The what, one that I have gone back and listened to all the way through, which I very rarely do these days. I, initially, I listened to basically all of them all the way through just to, like, yes, yeah, kind of wrap my head around it and enjoy the experience. Um... One that I did go back and listen all the way through was, I, I weirdly don't even remember which episode it was. It was like episode thirty-four of Kaku Ranger, I want to say, but it's the one. Okay, it's the one where, like, you just we couldn't find a time where you had an hour free to do the show. Oh, and you and I did both. I just did the whole show, pretending to be a conversation between me and you. That was a pretty spectacular piece of work on your part, Matt. Thank you. I think it was, it, I think, ultimately, I think it might have been stronger in concept than it was in execution, but the concept, uh, the, the theory, really the great. theory was sound, as, it as was, Vale it Kilmer was. once said in the lion hunting movie, The Ghost and the Darkness. <laughs> Everybody knows that <laughs> reference, right? Vale Kilmer in The Ghost and the Darkness, where he traps lions in Africa. To, like, it clear is. out a mine or something? So, anyways, I feel uh, very proud of us, Matt. I do, you know, every time we hit one of those these milestones, I remember back when we first started doing the show, and we got to, like, what, episode 10, and we were like, oh, my gosh, we actually, we did 10 whole episodes of this thing and stuck with it, and then we finished one season, and... You know, I feel like we didn't maybe necessarily properly celebrate when we did five full seasons of this show, but this is kind of, this is pretty close. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's been a blast, Matt. And thank you guys, you know, I mean, for the people who listen, um, it's, it's a blast. It's really cool to make something and put it out into the universe and know that it, it hopefully improves somebody's life in some small, fun way. Um, what Matt? is our second star of the week. Dave, our second star of the week is, and it's been a while since we've uh, done one of these. Dave, I got a commute update. What? Commute update. Yeah. So, okay. Um, I, uh, what, last Wednesday... Drove to work for the first time since March 11th. Yeah, that is wild. Wait, so why why were you in the office? Okay, so 
basically, weather is getting bad here in Cleveland, Ohio. And, like, we were sort of just on the cusp of, like, the weather turning against us sort of for good, right? Mm-hmm. And it had been a very long time since the people on our team had all seen each other. And, like, we had hired a new guy who hadn't actually met most of the team in person ever. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess that would be a little bit weird. So we planned to, like, get together because at the office they, they – you know, it's a hashtag fun office. They've got like a little like outdoor patio area with some tables where you can eat. And we were like, before the weather turns, we should have like an outdoor get together, hang out, you know, like order some food and have like a team lunch mm-hmm. so that we can like actually see each other and like break up the monotony of working from home every day in a way that doesn't involve us all sitting around inside the building. That's great. Uh, so we did that, and it was really nice. It was great to see everybody. I uh, I stopped up at my desk. Like, you know, I put on my mask and I went into the office, and there was nobody there. Right. Um, there's like 10 people in the whole building that normally has like 325 or something. Um, and so I'm just like wandering through the office, and it's a total ghost town. At like noon on, you know, Wednesday noon, which normally, of course, full of people. is Yeah. So that was weird. And then I got to my desk... And my calendar still said March, so that was weird. Oh, that seems very upsetting. I had to like that seems very that seems very bad. I'm not sure why. I had to like flip through like every month real quick just to see what like golden age DC comic book covers I'd missed out on seeing. You know why, Matt? You know, okay. Here's why that's bad. Here's why I don't like that. It's because that's the that's a movie scene. That's a scene from a movie that's like an establishing shot in the post-apocalypse version where somebody like wanders through and you see a calendar and that is like that lets you know how long it's been. Right, right. Right. And I think like I can see the scene. I can see you in the scene in the movie. And uh, I don't I don't like. Listen, I'm not I'm not willing to give in on the post-apocalyptic until at least November the 4th, oh, your birthday. which is my birthday. It is. My birthday is uh, the day after Election Day this year. So, so if you want to get Dave something nice for his birthday. So don't let me down, America. <laughs> anyway. Oh, anyway. Yeah. So, uh, I, 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 and so I picked up a couple of stuff from the, the office. I, I grabbed my uh, New York Times day-by-day crossword puzzle calendar. Uh, which means I got a lot to catch up on. Are these just very small crosswords? Yeah, they're the size of a day-by-day calendar. Which is basically the size that they are in the newspaper. Oh yeah, good point, good point. Um, other than like the Sunday. They're like the daily sized. Um, but also, and I think this is most important, I did bring my lava lamp home. Oh yeah, you've got a... I'm actually a little bit surprised that you didn't go in for that earlier. Well, you know. You're a lava lamp guy. Not only am I a lava lamp guy, I have kind of always been a lava lamp guy. You're historically a lava lamp guy. I bought a lava lamp for myself in, like, junior high. I thought you got it as a present, but you did definitely have one. Was it a present? I forget. I know I bought the strobe light that I had in, like, junior high, high school. Which I've still got around somewhere. 
I've got an old blacklight from Grandpa. Yeah. Anyways. Anyway, I brought listen. it home and I set it up on the bar. So now I've got like a lava lamp next to a decanter of gin and a decanter of apple brandy. And like all my like tools and mix-ins. It's a good look, Man, I tell you. I was going to say, that feels strong. That feels like a real good space to be in. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice, it's nice to shake it up a little bit. Anyway, Dave, what is our third star of the week? Third star of the week, Matt, is I made a very good stew. Ooh, I love a stew. It's the, tis I the know. season. It is. That's why I did it. We got a grocery delivery, and it's kind of like a uh, surprise box a little bit. So I opened the box, and there's like a bunch of uh, uh, parsnips, which I love, and carrots and some potatoes. And I said, and I actually already had some stew meat thought out. And I said to myself, this is the universe is provided. Okay, Dave, real quick. In the form. I, I, yeah. I do have a, a – I hate to interrupt, but I have a question. I was listening to another podcast today that referenced stew meat. Mm-hmm. And I know what the idea of stew meat is, which is just like general meat that you put in a stew. But like, what is stew meat? Like, it's not a cut, I, right? Is it just like a no. bag of scraps? I think it's basically just a bag of off cuts. Okay. Which is, you know, whatever. Uh, when you buy hamburger, you're almost always getting just offcuts that have just been ground up. So that's fine. Sure. So anyways. So it's just unground hamburger. Stew. Yeah, effectively. So I said to myself, I was like, you know, I really want stew. I've never made what I think of as stew. I make soup, mm-hmm. not stew. Very different. So I said, very different. And I braise things. Still not the same. So I grabbed uh, Julia Child's The Art of French Cooking. Here's the difference, Matt. Are you ready? I am ready. I think. Yeah. So here's what you do. To, for the, what you think of, I am assuming what you think of as stew is the same thing that I think of as stew. Here's kind of what you do. You, you do your meat and aromatics, mm-hmm. and then you braise that for a while. Okay. Okay. You braise that for a while in the stock. Then you put in your veg. This is kind of how I did it. You put in your root veg mm-hmm. with the stock, and then you kind of cook all of that. Okay. And then you drain the stock. Okay. All right? Then you drain the stock so you've just got the dry stuff. Then you make a roux. All right. And you, yeah. And then I basically made like kind of like a like a low-grade low grade like sauce velute um okay which is just which is just stock thickened with roux mm-hmm. stick it with a blonde roux and uh and and some like tomato paste and stuff and then you let that cook and thicken and then you put that on the stew and you mix everything together and then you kind of put it back on the stove for a few minutes to let it like bubble and like and that's that's how you get like stew which is, you know, like kind of between soup and a thing. That's that's the difference. Okay. So and I made it. Sounds and it, great. It slapped. It was real, real good. Yeah, it was amazing. I made what I thought was going to be enough for today and some leftovers mm-hmm. for tomorrow, and we just demolished the whole thing. It's very tasty. I got to get better at making a roux. I've, I have made a roux successfully. Super easy, dog. I know. Super it's just one of those roux, things where, easy. like, you know, it's. I feel like it's one of those things you kind of got to do a handful of times so you don't, like... So it doesn't kind of get away from you? Yeah. Well, I should say a blonde roux is super easy. As soon as you start, like, cooking it down, mm-hmm. 
then it gets very difficult because you've really got to like yeah. my understanding is I've never tried. You've really got to watch it super closely because the the line between like good and burned is a very thin. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, I made a killer stew and it was real good and I was I was happy to eat it. That's uh, that's it, man. I just this stew. Well, I already said it slapped, but it did, Matt. Cool. What what is our fourth star of the week? The fourth star of the week is I've been playing a video game. No kidding. Yeah. Well, you know, spend a lot of time at home these days. Uh, I mm-hmm. did go to the office mm-hmm. that one time, but I'm not making a habit out of it just yet. Uh, also went out and voted. That was another thing I did this week. Um, oh, I got to do my early voting. I mean, I'm registered and everything. but Yeah, it did not end up taking that long. Uh, although I did nice. go on a day where, like, I thought it was just going to be cloudy, and so I didn't bring an umbrella. And as it turns out, mm. I stood in the rain for a while. But Same. it was heartening to see... It was heartening that there were that many people willing to stand in the rain to go vote on, like, a Monday afternoon. Oh, dude, it is, like, it is absolutely demolishing every single uh, early voting record. Yeah. Like, nothing's even close. Um, it's pretty pretty wild. So, that was cool. But, anyway, I'm, play- I'm playing Hades. There's been a lot of talk on the list server about There's this. There's been a lot of I, talk. I'm not playing A lot it. of chatter. Well, the thing is that it's it's on Steam and it's on the Switch. But it, I do not believe it is available on either the Xbox nor the PlayStation. Uh, anyway, it's really cool. It's like a... Uh, what's that? Like that sort of like third-person isometric view camera angle? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the word you're looking for. Um, It's a roguelike, which is a, a... I love a good roguelike. I like a good roguelike. I don't always love a good roguelike. I have tried a number of times and bounced off of Spelunky... I did play Dead Cells, which I liked, but once I finished a run of Dead Cells, I was like, okay, I'm glad that I played that, and now I am done. Mm. The thing about Hades that makes it very cool, and I apologize because I have listened, like, a lot of people are playing this game right now, and I've heard people talk about it on other podcasts, and so it is possible that all of the things I'm about to say are things that I have, like, accidentally stolen from other podcasts. Um, so, if you also listen to those podcasts and things that sound familiar, that is why. Um, <laughs> anyway, it is really good because the nature of the games, like you play as uh, Zagreus, Hades' son, and you are trying to escape Hades. And so you are like starting in like Hades' court and you just like grab a weapon and you head out into the underworld and are trying to like fight your way up through the levels of the underworld to get to the surface, right? And as you do this, you die. And when you die, because you're in Hades, you just like, you know, you know, like you just drop back down into Hades' court because that's where everyone goes when they die. But oh, it happens nice. to be your house. <laughs> so like you that's go a through, really great hook. like you go through, and like you're trying to fight, and then like you know some skeleton thing like throws a bomb at you and you die and you show back up but what's really good about the game is that it has a a moderately sized cast of characters but since it's a game that operates on a loop like this you're just running into the same characters all the time right yeah that makes sense um which means they didn't need to have a lot of voice actors but there are a lot of different conversations that you can have like basically Anytime you encounter anybody, you have like a like a like a brief conversation with them, like a couple like one or two back and forths. Um, nice, but it's different every time. 
And it is like, and, it, oh, and what whoa. they talk about, like, that's a nice detail. The, the, like, and they reflect the things that you have been doing. So, like, when you come down into, like, when you first get back home after dying, like, the first person who you run into is Hypnos, who's standing there, and he has a list of everyone who died and how they died because he's helping Hades, like, manage his paperwork. And so he says, like, oh, I see you got, like, killed by the Bone Hydra. That must have sucked. Seemed very painful. Anyway, good luck next time. And then you go over and you talk to Hades, and Hades is like, you're so stupid. You're never going to get out of here. I hate you so much. And then Zagreus is like, yeah, whatever, dad. Uh, and then like you go, talk, you, you go talk to, like, Achilles, who was dead and in the underworld. And, like, there's, like, a whole... Anyway, it's just really good. And also, as, you, like, the... The thing that sort of changes how each run works is when you get through each room, you get, like, a bonus. Okay. Um, and the bonus is either, like, money or experience points or a boon that you can get from one of the Olympian gods. Which, I dig anything with a boon. Yeah, and, and so, like, these boons give you different superpowers. And the different super, As a general. And the different, like, superpowers affect how the playstyle of that run-through works. So it's like, oh, like, this one changes your regular attack to this other thing. And this one changes your special attack to a different thing. And this one affects the way that you dash in this other way. And so by the time you've gone through a run for a while, you have compiled this, like, weird hodgepodge of superpowers that you've kind of figured out how they do or do not work together nicely. No, I think that's a really cool mechanic. Um, Dead Cells. As you continue, I know you just did the one mm -hmm. run, but of course you can continue to to do it. And it's very much the same way. You're advancing, like you're collecting like more and more like weird advanced powers mm -hmm. and you're just sort of jamming them together and kind of trying to figure out something that works. And sometimes you get a combo that's like an amazing winner. And sometimes you're like, well, that blows and you just kind of die very quickly. Yeah. Um, I, I think Hades, if you liked that in Dead Cells, I think that if you ever have the opportunity, you would really like Hades because it does that same sort of thing, but just with a lot more variables I think and it, in a way that is very charming. Uh, anyway, yeah, so that's that's Hades. Very fun game. Well, it sounds like a solid recommendation, man. What, Matt, is our fifth star of the week? The fifth star of the week is something that is potentially very exciting. But the, the fact that it is only potentially very exciting is making me have a strange week. And it is this. On Sunday of this week, at 9.30 a.m., I went to go look at a house. And then at 8 p.m. on Sunday of this week, uh, I the offer that I had put in that afternoon was accepted for like to buy this house. It was a heck of a day. Yeah, that sounds... That's actually about how quickly it went for us. There was a little bit more negotiating, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's wild, man. Yeah, it's so, so... you're basically... I mean, you haven't, you know... Well, okay, so here's the thing. Here's why it's potentially very exciting. Is that, like, I put in an offer, the offer was accepted, like, I saw it, I like it, I want to move into it. I mean, not immediately, it needs... It's, it is a definite fixer-upper. Uh, this is going to be mm. like a multi-month project before I can actually move there. Um, a month, multi-month project doing a lot of things I don't know how to do yet, but we'll figure it out. Hey! Um, no, but the weird thing is like, I'm currently in this limbo zone, right? Where all of that is done, but I have not yet had the inspection 
and the deal has not closed. So, like, we have agreed upon what the deal is, right? But, like, yes. if the inspection comes in, it's like, yes, well, you thought this place was good, but the furnace is full of cursed bats. You're like, well, okay, I'm not going to, I can't buy Never a place mind. full of cursed bats. I can't, I can't be dealing with cursed bats. Or something, you know. I know it's the Halloween season, but a cursed bat, I am out. Uh, so, now I'm in this limbo zone of, like, I'm part of me is trying to get excited about, like, the whole gearing up of this massive project. And the other half of me is like, dude, you cannot let yourself get that excited. Because it is entirely possible that by noon on Friday, you will realize that this whole thing has just been a waste of time. So I am, like, I am just, like, sort of riding this, like, razor's edge of, like, excitement versus nothing. Very strange. It's a weird week, Dave. Yeah, well, uh, you know, best of luck, Matt. I hope it all works out for you. We did talk about this a little bit beforehand, but, uh, you know, it's exciting. Now, here's the thing. Here's my only piece of advice about having bought a fixer-upper. It's it's very cool to get a fixer-upper because it's kind of a blank canvas. You could do a lot of stuff with it. You just got to be careful not to octopus the house. Yeah, you can't go full octopus. We talked about this. You just, you can't go full octopus. You do need to show some restraint cephalopod-wise, right. is all I'm saying. Yeah. 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 Too much, too much raw wood and tentacles. You know, you, you don't want to make your house look that much like a shipwreck. Yeah. Even a very stylish shipwreck. Matt? Wait, Matt. Speaking of terrors from the deep. Ooh. Very nice transition, Dave. Thank you. It just came to me. Speaking of Terrors of the Deep, we are going to take a break. We are going to watch episode 23 of Denji Denji Sentai Mega Ranger. It is called Escape the Labyrinth of Evil. It was written by... Ooh, this is a name I don't think we've seen before. Shigeru Yanagawa. Uh, Its original air date was July 27th, 1997. Of course, if you want to watch along, you can do so with either the DVDs or at shoutfactory.tv. Big recommend. Weird episode, but strong ending. Uh, mm. And we are going to get back to talk about it right after this. Kind of a wild one, Matt. So before we begin this episode, uh, just as a plot, I'm going to get... we. How to say, this plot hinges on one very, very, just extraordinarily specific thing. And it's that Kenta is a moron. Oh, yeah. And there's going to be a lot of moments in this episode where I'm going to be tempted to say, why does this happen? This doesn't make any sense. And I just need, I'm saying this up front so I can kind of remind myself that I don't need to ask the question every time. The question is implicit, and the answer is always, Kenta is a moron. Yes. Now, I will say Chisato, normally very bright, very capable, in this episode, also seemingly kind of a moron. Yeah, and also a real enabler. Yes. Not a great... I mean, somebody has to do it, I suppose. It feels like Miku would have been the better pick for this. That's kind of more along her character arc. You know, it does, Sato but I, I think I actually kind of, and we'll get to it, but I think I actually kind of appreciate that they didn't have it be Miku 
just because it would have been so easy for it would to be. Would have been Riku. a little heavy. Yeah. I like mm. a little on the I dig nose. It. I dig it. I'm into it. I mean, it's a good point. Okay, so this episode opens up. Kenta is on a bike. He's late. He's in a rush. He glances up at something, glances back down, and the basket on the front of his bike has a weird alien egg in it. From nowhere. It is just land. It flew through the air and landed in his bike basket. Yep. He looks at it and he says, huh, that's weird. Well, I'm already late and just tosses it away. Amazing, and then just moves on. And this, and this is the moment life. where there's like a freeze frame as he's doing it, and it brings up like the episode title card. Very good. Now, perfect I do, timing. I I just want to say, you said to yourself, the egg flew through the air. Eggs don't have the power of locomotion or aviation. How did that happen? Did somebody throw the egg? There's literally never an explanation. It just possesses the power of telekinetic self-motivation and it threw just just yeeted itself into into the basket i guess i don't know yeah now this i'm trying to get moment into i'm trying to get yeet in uh i like the energy of the word yeet normally i'm opposed to to introducing a lot of new slang in like a conscious way but i think the word yeet is a very funny it's just a funny sounding word, and it's extremely expressive. Now, I, I feel like you don't need to explain what yeet means now, to someone. See, now, Dave, I I like yeet, don't get me wrong, but my impression has always been that you yeet something out of or away from something, not into or towards something. Am I wrong on that? Is that like a completely you know, imagined uh, distinction? No, Matt. Well, this is the this is the thing with emergent vocabulary. Actually, Matt, it's very interesting. Uh, you know, you sort of get a connotative definition first, and then a denotative definition. So, I think you're actually probably right. But I think it's plastic enough that I can still use it, sort of however I want. Okay. Well, within certain parameters. Now that we've covered all our bases, anyways, there. what is what is Kenta late for? It's his dream job, Matt. He's working at the Calder he House. Job at, he, he's working at the Calder It's so exciting. So now when we say working, we mean basically doing every. He is the entire front of house. Yes. Uh, and part of the back of house, too. Because he's also, I think, the busboy and the dishwasher. Oh, he is. That's right. He is also doing busboy and dishwasher. He's basically well, everything but the cook. Yeah. So uh, he does all of this stuff. Uh, there's a quick montage, and then he's he's wiped out from the day. It does seem as though he's getting money for this job, which is weird. I did genuinely expect that he was going to be paid in in special Colby. I mean, I think Anyways, we can safely assume that all of his paycheck will go towards special Colby. Yeah, you're in a real company store territory there, Mister Korean Barbecue Owner. Yeah, anyways, it's kind of crazy uh, that Inet doesn't pay these kids, right? It does seem weird. Like, it's not weird that the Die Rangers didn't get paid because they were, like, mythic heroes from, like, ancient lineages. But these are just some high schoolers who have to spend a lot of their time fighting monsters by accident, essentially. They should be on the payroll. I I should work that into the game somehow. Man, I genuinely... I 
for real, I really thought that I was going to have a lot of time. I was just like, the world is locked down. Everyone's stuck in their house. I'll finally time have enough time at to like, really, yeah. Uh, and then my glasses cracked in the form of my genuinely amazing and and wonderful children. Real quickly, Matt, you ready for some? You ready for this? Are you ready for some heartwarming nonsense? Uh, maybe. Yeah, of course you are, Matt. So how we do bedtime is I don't mind like doing like pajamas and stories and all of that stuff, but I really don't like to just kind of sit there and wait for every for the kids to fall asleep. Like just sit there with them as they fall asleep. My yeah, wife is really the boring. opposite. This is an excellent Yeah, this is an excellent division of labor. So I handle like pajamas and stories and then I I bounce, and then she handles, she just sort of sits there with them. However, there have been a number of times, quite a few times actually, over the course of the last month, where uh, Buddy Bear, like pajamas, you know, diapers, bedtime diapers, they're like potty trained, but overnight. Sure. Uh, stories, they're in bed, my wife comes in, she sits down, and he says, I want to do an all-together bedtime. And I say, well, you know, come on, like, and I, I read stories, and mom's going to sit with you. And he says, I want to do because I am your son and I love you no matter what. And I was like, well, okay, okay I'll fine. Just, you know. We'll do the whole thing. <laughs> like, yes, of course, of course, I'm going to sit down. Of course. No question. Absolutely. Because you are my son and I do love you forever. Um, and it just gets Very me every good. time. Extremely like good. he just knows. Yeah. Tactical, tactical strike. Anyways. So he gets on, he leaves work for the day. He gets on his bike. The egg is back. How is the egg back, Matt? How does it, how is it back? Uh, Dave, you know, okay, at this point in the episode, I am not bothered by the fact that the egg is back. Because obviously when the egg arrived the first time, it was arriving because it was a trap that was being thrown at Kenta. And then he was falling into because he was an idiot. And he threw the egg away. And now the egg is back because obviously whoever was doing the initial trap still wants to trap him and is just, you know, doing it again and hoping that it works this time. And then it does work. And I think, okay, well, Kenta has fallen into the trap. Now, here is the hitch. At no point for the rest of this episode is it ever made clear that this was a trap. It was just a complete accident that happened twice in one day. Uh, yeah, it is. I wanted everything to hinge on Kenta being a moron because that would have been very neat and is consistent with the story so far. How the egg gets in the basket, I will, I will leave to better men. Anyways, he's like, I think I got to keep this egg and probably hatch it. I am curious. This egg is like the size of a football, by the way. Oh, yeah. He's like, I wonder what kind of egg it is. So the next scene is him at a library. He's got a lot of books. He's, they're books on like birds ornithology is the word i'm looking for and he's kind of flipping through all the eggs and chisanto comes in and she's like you what are you doing in a library do you a are you are you okay and he's like shut up i i know how i read books um uh and and he's like, i'm trying to figure out the thing with this egg and she's like you have an egg why do you have an egg and he shows her the egg she's like well you certainly have an egg. Now, here is a weird thing about that egg. Definitely looks like an alien egg. You should just give it to our, you know, 
space scientist team that we hang out with all the time? Just give it to Inet. They'll figure it out. Obviously, that is what you should do. She doesn't say this is clearly a Nezere because those are the only aliens we have ever encountered. Um, But she could easily say that. It would be true. She could. Yeah, she could have. And he's like... (laughs) He's like, yeah, he's like, that's why I didn't want to tell you. What? Why? Why is that why? Because you thought she would recognize that it's a Nezere egg, which you are clearly in denial about, and you don't want to be confronted about it? Is that why, Kenta? Anyways, he does flip through the book, and like any good ornithology book does, it includes some information on dinosaurs, and he sees some dinosaur eggs, and he says, boom, baby, like, this is it. Those are big eggs that I don't recognize. This is a big egg that I don't recognize. They must be the same egg. Now, I do got to say, Dave, I know you've never watched Azure Ranger, and frankly, we're probably never going to watch it for the show, uh, for reasons I think we've discussed, um, because every time we've tried to record an episode about Azure Ranger, it has gone terribly awry. Uh, also, everybody else has already talked about Azure Ranger. Um, yeah. But there's a big plot point in Azure Ranger about dinosaur eggs. So I know exactly what like the 1990s Sentai prop team does to make dinosaur eggs. And it is nothing like what this thing is. This is so clearly an alien egg. It's like pink. It's black and hot pink. Yeah. Now, I will say, Matt, I know you also have not watched The Good Place, which I just finished. It is... uh, Kenta has a very strong Jason energy to me. So if you've watched this... If you have watched The Good Place and you haven't watched uh, Mega Ranger, the vibe is very similar. Anyways... He's like, I'm going to hatch this dinosaur. My name will go down in the history books. Kenta out. We transition from there to the Digital Research Club. Everyone's like, where's Kenta? Shisato explains where Kenta is. He's trying to hatch a dinosaur egg. (laughs) And everyone's like, that's absurd. And Miku's like, it would be cool if he did it, though, right? Yeah, like everybody kind of falls along... Like, we have already kind of seen Chisato's um, reaction to this. But everybody else's reactions are, like, super spot on for their character. Miku is like, but it would be fun, wouldn't it? And Shun is like, Kenta is being an absolute idiot. And Kuichiru is like, this is a waste of time. He needs to do some work. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, we go from there. We see a greengrocer. And there's like a lady, she's trying to sell some watermelons. And this lady, we find out, is Kenta's mom. And I immediately like her. I like I her too. I may just immediately I like her because... so surprised that that was her, his mom. Just because there's never been any indication that any of these characters have families. So to just well, casually you know, introduce um, a mom... mom is dead. What's that? Oh yeah, Shun's, Shun's mom, mom is, is dead. dead. Because Shun is CGI Batman. <laughs> CGI yeah. flautist Batman. So anyways, I, I immediately CGI like his Iron mom. Fist. I, I, I think maybe I just, I like his mom. I think I like his mom because Kenta seems like he would be a very difficult son to have. And so I just have an immediate sense of like commiseration with his poor beleaguered mother. Mm-hmm. And as he rolls in, she's like, if you have time to be working at a Colby shop, you have time to 
help me here at the shop that we own and live at. Yeah. He is not interested in like, having that conversation. Cool. Yeah, he, dip, he just slips by and he goes into his room where using like a table and blankets and space heaters, he has constructed an incubator. And he looks at the egg. He looks at the egg mat and the egg starts glowing. Like visibly, it's pulsating, Matt. It's pulsating like, like a, like a pod people egg. Okay. Mm-hmm. It has. has like Shishato showed up at this point. Is yet? what I'm saying. She's about to show up. Okay. But he looks at the. He looks at the glowy pulsating egg, pulsating with light, not physically pulsating. Mm-hmm. Just to clarify, and he's like, "Come on." Come on, bud, hatch. Come on, dinosaur. You know how dinosaur eggs glow? You know how dinosaur eggs glow? With a a slow strobing light? Kenta? Again, this is a man who sees an alien every week. He sees one alien at least every week. He has never (laughs) seen a dinosaur. Okay, again, this... This entire blood hinges on Kenta being a moron. So it's it's gonna be an anglerfish Nezere. And somehow some oh I'm sorry, Chisato shows up and she's like, How's it going? And he's like, Well, I'm trying to get this egg to hatch. It's glowing. I made and a makeshift mom, incubator underneath this. What's the Yeah. This there's a special type of it's like a low table with like blankets sort of like built in around it. It's like a specific Japanese thing. Oh, I have. I just I, put a blanket on the table. That's neat. Yeah, I have one in Animal Crossing. Our sister owns one in real life. I just forget what it's called, but like, it's a low square table with like a sort of like a blanketed skirt. You know, man, I am. I would. I would so love to get out to visit Katie in Japan. Just to figure but out I what know that it's table only a fun, is. Just at that table, though. No, I just, I know it's only, she's, it's like a maximum of, of a five-year contract. And I just am not seeing where at some point between now and two years from now, it will be practical for me to bring my entire family to Japan. Yeah, I was, was going to go. I was going to go to the Olympics this summer. It was going to be pretty good, Dave. Maybe. It is going to be pretty. Maybe next, maybe next time. Well, they are, um, they're honoring tickets. They're just transferring the tickets. So Katie had tickets to see something, and then she's got, I don't know if it's going to be the same event, but she will still get to go presumably next year. Presumably. If there's, yeah. Although, I, I gotta say. So anyways. I, I do have to say, it would be, listen, there is nothing good about uh, the current pandemic situation, but if they if this made him put it off for two years, and then we got the Olympics and Winter Olympics on the same year again, that would be amazing. Oh, are you a uh, are you a same year advocate? Oh, I'm a like I really love having. It's tough, right? Because I like having them more often. Unlike the, I'm the a split. I'm a split advocate. But like, I remember when I was a kid, like. You know, the one or two Olympics I remember as a kid before they split. And it just made, like, the whole year feel special. 
it, it was like once yeah, every four it years. Does. And it, it was also on like a presidential election schedule, which didn't mean as much to me because I was a kid. But it was like the, the, yeah. there was a presidential election and both Olympics all in the same year. Like once every four years was just like this huge thing. And plus, Dave, I guess now it would be off schedule. But can you imagine how much better a presidential election year would be? If there was also two Olympics to distract you. Okay. You know what, Matt? You've made your point. You've made your point. <laughs> I dig it. Um, so anyways, his like, there's a weird little scene where like the mom comes in and she's like, what's going on in here? This is obviously weird. And Kent is like, we're having an endurance contest to see who can be hot the longest. Yeah, because the room is boiling because he has, like, a space heater under a table trying to hatch an alien egg. Um, Yeah. Anyway, his mom buys this because, I don't know, maybe she's an idiot, too. Well, okay, Matt, I would say that this is insane, but people in Nordic countries do definitely do competitive saunaing. So, shrug. Cool. Whatever. Yeah, I had to verbalize the shrug that I did. Anyways, see, so this it is does why you gotta, This is why you got to uh, subscribe to our Patreon. So you can see the shrug. So anyway, this we... alien egg hatches. <laughs> this dumb alien egg hatches to this, to this moron superhero. And it is an anglerfish. It's, it's, it's a angler... little... Yeah, it's a cross between... A, it's a cross neon a pink anglerfish and a, a gremlin. Did you say gremlin? I did, yeah. No, that's what I was getting towards as well. It's gremlin size and it's got big ears. Yeah, and so he... I just... And you know what? You know, I, I was angry for a moment because here's... Because I saw all of this happening and I was like, Kenta has made one bad decision after another in this and guaranteed this is going to work out perfectly like this will be this will be a hundred percent fine at the end nothing has ever gone uh, wrong for this man yeah he does name it gumtang which is i looked it up it's korean oxtail soup and i I the reason i looked it up is because the his first suggestion was kalbi yeah he was just basically rattling through the menu of the place at his new job yeah, so he names the thing Gumtang, and Chisanto's like, ah, I think this this tiny monster that you've hatched could be dangerous. And Kent is like, psh, never. How could my beautiful Gumtang now, be dangerous? So we go from there to Nazare Dimension. Yes, where we are immediately confronted with a full-sized, monstrous anglerfish Nazare, which is so clearly... Related to the one that Kenta is currently cuddling with. Yes. Anglerfish Nezere, it translates. Anglerfish are scary fish to begin with. And so turning it into a monster is not difficult. And we find yeah, out that BBDB made the way there already. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 man. The ocean is, is, is equal parts beautiful and fascinating and also deeply terrifying. So yeah, so BBDB made him, and I, what what we are sort of learning here is that when Which they is a, make these a, monsters, I'm sorry, go ahead, Dave. 
No, I was... I'm sorry. It was the same train of thought. That the implications of the 30 seconds of film we're about to get are staggering. Yeah. So, BBDB makes the anglerfish nicer. They're like, wow, BBDB, we kind of didn't know you had it in you. Good job, buddy. Um, because BBDB is just like a... Not a real character. He's just a, like a floating smiley face with arms and legs. Um, yeah, he's awful. Anyway, so he's saying, yes, it's uh, Anglerfish Nezere. It can turn humans into stone. Which is, you know, whatever. Weird. Um, not as oh, thematically okay, appropriate as the teleporting trap antlion Nezere. But Gyrail walks in. And he's like, hey, didn't, uh, didn't Anglerfish Nezere over here have a brother? And BBDB says, yes, he did. But his brother was not, like... He couldn't be. Yeah, like, he didn't have, like, the raw traits I needed to turn him into a Nezere monster. He doesn't say that. He just says he couldn't be a Nezere beast. We're we're inferring here. So, basically, what we've got is that there is a race of Nezeregians... Mm-hmm. that are all just kind of connected to earth animals for some reason that go through some sort of like horrifying super soldier process to become Nezere beasts. Yeah. Uh, oh, here's the thing, Matt, the anglerfish... So there's the anglerfish with the light, which this one does have. But there is another type of anglerfish that just has like a little wiggly, like a wiggly lure on its head. And that fish is also called the stonefish. Really? Yeah, because it's like it's got very good camouflage and it's also extremely poisonous. And so I think they just sort of like mashed together like the glowy anglerfish and like the stone anglerfish. And maybe that's why he can turn things to stone. Interesting. I had no idea. That's kind. Of, that's my guess. This this basically is like an episode of Plan- uh, Blue Planet. We're learning so much. We're learning so much. Well, Matt, I just you know. I mean, you're uh, an educator. You're the teachers like a drinker drinks, Matt. Uh, so, um, Guy Rail's like, listen. You have missed you have missed an opportunity with uh, Anglerfish Nezere's brother. You boofed it, um, like because the two of them can like combine. So Anglerfish Nezere, you go down to Earth and you find your brother. He just like barges in and starts making uh, new directions, and BBDB isn't able yep. to stop him because BBDB is, as I said, a floating smiley face with arms and legs. Yes. From there. Kenta at work, uh, we get a few minutes of gag where, like, people are ordering food and the chef is putting up food and then Gomtang, which is in his bag, eats the food and then Kenta's like, where'd the food go? And then he gets fired because his boss thinks that he is eating the food. That His boss thinks that Kenta just ate a plate of raw beef. Just so quickly. So Yeah, just astonishingly fast and, like, a head-sized bowl, like a an entree for two serving of cold noodles. So he gets fired. And so but, we but see the, the upside of this is that now Kenton knows that he and Gontang have the same taste in food. 
And so now he knows what to feed him. He's like, ah, my little growing boy. Let's go home and we can, like, eat Korean barbecue together. Oh, man, now... Okay, this is a side effect of doing this show. I did have a very good dinner. The stew. And I'm not hungry. But I would mess up some Korean barbecue right now. I mean, I get it. I absolutely would do that. I had uh, the last bit of my uh, split pea soup with some uh, chopped up uh, homemade baguette for dinner tonight. I would absolutely destroy some Korean barbecue. Yeah, like no question. So anyways, we go home. Kenta is at his house making Korean barbecue. This does make me wonder. It turns out it's even better than I thought. At first, I think, holy cats, is Kenta, like, supposed to be half Korean or something? That that would be wild for the protagonist, Red Ranger of a, of a Japanese show in the 90s to be Korean. Incredibly progressive. Great job, Super Sentai. Right. I don't think that's the case. Because at first, I thought that Kenta was in his, like, dining room. With like a whole Korean barbecue setup, it turns out dude is just in his bedroom with his like personal Korean barbecue setup. Yeah, he is an enthusiast, which is even just even better. Uh- <laughs> Who do you think likes Korean bar Korean food more, Dave? Do you think that it is uh, Kenta? Or do you think it is the kimchi-loving monster from Car Ranger? Man, that's very difficult. And at first I was uh, tempted to say, what's that dude's name? The kimchi lover. First I was going to say the kimchi lover because loving Korean food seems to be his only motivation and passion in life. And then I was like, whereas Kenta is a more developed care, well, wait... This is the conversation I had in my head. Well, wait, is he? He also loves justice. No, I think it's he. Does he, Matt? I mean, does he, Matt, or does he keep working for Doctor Kubota because Doctor Kubota keeps buying him Korean barbecue? I come. I mean, listen. Are you eighty percent right? Yes, but there there is something else to Kenta. There is some justice in there. Okay, so I, I think we got to give it to um, Guri. Was that that dude's name? Anyways, he's he's feeding Gomtang some Kalbi. He is nursing what is just man, just so obviously a monster. So clearly. And He's teaching it his name. He's like, oh, my name is Kenta. And he's, the monster's like, Kenta. Great. They go to sleep, wake up. Overnight, Gomtang has gone from, like, oh, there, There's a bit where, like, Gomtang collapses and has a fever. Oh, yeah, that's right. And Kenta, and like, puts overnight, an ice pack on its head. And But, but yeah, what has happened is that overnight, he has gone through a growth spurt. Yeah. I guess when he, he just, spurt, he just mean, needed some spurt, Korean he, food to set him off. Yeah, he goes from, like, Furby-sized, as I said, to to just monster suit-sized. But mentally, he's still a baby, which is a very weird dynamic to have entered. Also, knowing that this was the plot point of this episode, it feels like they could have picked a cuter animal as a base. 
because Gomtang is still a horrifying anglerfish gremlin, but now he's like six and a half feet tall. And the expansion dimension does not do him any favors. No. He's, he's real gross looking. Yeah, and there is a moment where Kenta freaks out because there is just a monster in his room. But then Gomtang is like, Kenta? Kenta! And they like hug, and he's like, oh, you'll be my best friend forever. I'll never not... You, you will be in every future episode of this show because I love you so... And you are my pet and friend in a, like a weird Pokemon way. Yeah. Uh, so then they immediately get a call. Oh, it's a monster. The monster is in the Tokyo then, Dome. Yeah. And the rangers roll out and there's a fish monster and it's Anglerfish Nazare. And, and Kenta, Kenta, by the way, Kenta like, has shoved uh, uh, Gomtang in his closet and just like, you stay here. Like, he is not, like, mentally adjusted to the fact that he needs to have a bigger place to hide him because he's a giant monster. Oh, yeah, thank you. He just, like, pushes him in the closet. So, he's like, uh, don't so- make a lot of noise because my mom's home. So, so Kenta and Shisato see Anglerfish Nets and they're like, ooh, connections being made, synapses firing. Uh, they try to fight Anglerfish Nezeray. Koichu tries to blast him. Anglerfish Nessery is like weirdly fast and agile for a monster that is based on what is effectively a stationary fish. Mm-hmm. Anyways, Guy Rail sort of like telepathically gets in touch with Anglerfish. He's like, stop goofing around. Do not mess with these dudes. You got to go find your brother. Anglerfish is like, oh yeah, right. So he faces out. Now up in we, the, the spaceship, Dr. Hinalar is like, dude... He was fighting our enemies and doing pretty well. Why did you tell him to stop? Gyrel's like, listen, you don't actually know what's going on with this monster. Because it's not one monster. It is a pair of monsters. And when they are combined, they go from the anglerfish being able to turn people into stone to the... Oh, yeah, sorry. He can... Oh, we, we, we talked about that. That's yeah. Right. That's the, the anglerfish, when he's combined with um, his brother can turn people into diamonds. And I can use those diamond people to power a super laser to destroy the Earth. Which is a big jump. Matt, dude, I am... no. You know, it is a big jump, Matt. I'm deeply in love. I'm deeply in love with the plan. The idea that you would combine two monsters. I'm not going to reiterate everything you just said. But that's just... That's just an astonishing plan. The it's majesty of it, Matt. It is. Uh, it's one so, of those things like it's a hat on a hat on a hat, but they're all great hats. But they're all just, they're really good hats, and they do somehow complement each other. There's a quick bit uh, where there's, mom is cleaning his room, and she opens the closet, she sees the monster, and she screams and passes out, and the gomtang dips. He's like, this is terrible, and he runs away. So basically, uh, Gomtang runs into Anglerfish Nezere. Okay? And he's like, I, Anglerfish Nezere says, I will absorb you. This also, weirdly, is a thing for Anglerfish. Did you just, like, do a bunch of Anglerfish research for this episode? No, Matt. I, no, I didn't. I just dig David Attenborough documentaries. Okay. 
Well, I also know that you loathe the terrors of the deep, deep ocean. So I'm surprised that you spent this much time watching those episodes. To say loathe means that I harbor a hatred of them, which is not accurate. I just have a deep terror of them. And I think that's a I think that's slightly different. Yeah, I don't watch a ton of those episodes. I'm not sure where I picked this fact up, but male anglerfish are super tiny and female angler when you think anglerfish, what you're actually thinking of is a female anglerfish. And the male anglerfish basically like swim up and attach themselves with like a weird sucker mouth to the female anglerfish. And then they just sort of like merge into the female anglerfish's body. And then that's how anglerfish procreate. So weird. Yup. Super weird. Hashtag terrors of the deep. Anyways, uh, I don't want to get into like the sexual dynamics of anglerfish Nezere and Gumtang, but uh, the idea that one anglerfish would somehow fuse to another does have some basis in reality. I do think that may also mean that anglerfish Nezere is a lady. All right. Which I don't know why, but that puts a whole new weird spin on it. You know... Lady Anglerfish Nezere doing it for themselves. Um, She's a strong, independent woman. Yeah. I was about to say that don't need no man. I was about to say that don't need no man, except their entire motivation right now is to get a man that is coincidentally their brother, so that doesn't quite play. Right. Let's just skate on past that uh, and back to this very strange episode. Um, we're like, are we at the halfway part of this episode yet? I feel like we've been talking about this for ages. We have been. It's a dense episode, Matt. I don't know what to tell you. Thankfully, after after the next little bit, things are going to speed up pretty quickly. Uh, they they sort of like get Gumtang away from from Anglerfish Nezere, and then Kenta is just sitting with him and. He's like, here, have some food. You're hungry. And then Gomtang is like, oh, you're hungry too. And he he realizes this and he shares some of the food back with Kenta. And they're like, oh, bonding moment. And he's like, we'll be together forever. Pinky swear. That's an important moment. And then Anglerfish Nezere arrives. And then Anglerfish Nezere is like, that's my Nezere brother. And Kenta's like, no, he's not. And he just... He just so, I just, I can't state clearly enough how very obviously Gumtang is a Nezere monster. Oh, yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. But Kenta is like, no, I need to prove that he is more connected to me than to you. And so he, like, goes to fight Anglerfish Nezere, but doesn't transform as though he's trying to hide his secret identity from Gumtang. Which doesn't make any sense. Uh, But it also like, that's literally the only reason to not transform into a superhero to fight a monster from space. Yeah. So he is. tries to fight this space monster who looks like his new best friend. And it goes very badly for him. Like, so, so badly for him. Um, Chisato arrives and brings the other ones in. Uh, Kenta and Gomtang run away. He, like, he says, Gumtang, wait here. I will always protect you, but I gotta go do some stuff. He transforms. He runs back in. 
He kind of helps turn the tide of the fight until he goes to do like a jump kick and he gets shot in the feet by the petrifying laser and his feet turn into stone and he falls to the ground and cannot walk with his stone feet. And this is horrifying. I don't know if it's meant to be super horrifying, but boy, that is like some bad body horror stuff. Yeah, it is. I was a little bummed out because they were so close to a really excellent River City Ransom reference. Dave, you know that's in my notes. <laughs> I, I, of course it is. Uh, it just it really bummed me out. That he, and especially because Kenta is a punchy guy. Right. He's got a battle. He's a very punch-oriented hero. Could have had the it stone would have fist. been so... It would have been so easy, Matt. It would have been so easy. Fun fact aside, do you know what the speed run record is for River City Ransom? I think it's sub 10 minutes. That is wild to me. Uh, yeah, it's pretty That insane. is wild to me, someone who has maybe beaten River City Ransom once and has played it for hours and yeah. hours. So, uh, basically, he does manage, Anglerfish and Ezra, he does manage to absorb Gomtang. They do the diamond beam. There is a very cool effect where it hits like a an oil barrel and then when it fades they have just constructed an oil barrel out of acrylic uh which is a very neat effect because it looks like it kind of turned to diamond a little bit they're about to blast anglerfish nezri and gum tang together she Santo jumps in and says wait no and then she says uh what is her what's her device uh digicam scan digicam she says digicam scam and you see anglerfish nezere and it identifies his weak point which is his forehead like yeah which a is his that's forehead. my weak point too i mean one of them just kind of any just kind of anywhere on my head in general to be honest with you but like here's the thing that that's a very good point Matt. that's not even the thing i thought about which is, can Shisato just do that? Like, is that just a, is that just like an on-deck thing? She could just be like, hold up, everybody. Let me hit it with the scan to find its weak point and just doesn't? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe she's busy sometimes. So they, they figure out the weak point. They shoot him in his forehead. This doesn't kill him, but it does, like, disrupt the power of his petrifying beam so now kenta's feet are regular again yeah and, and that's so good kenta's kenta's sort of like starts walking forward and there's a, a blast and kenta unhensions and he's like gum tang you can do it i promised i would protect you no matter what and then there's a flashback to 45 seconds ago uh-huh. where they do the pinky swear Okay, as though it is like this foundational element of the episode. And then he's he gets attacked again, and he falls down, and he gets back up, and he like stumbles forward. And he's like, call me, call me Kenta one more time. Like, say that you know me. And then there's like a series of flashbacks, and they do get the same flashback in again. Yes. And I want to be clear, this is a flashback to a scene that has happened on this side of the commercial break. It's not yeah, even reminding uh, you something that happened from, like, the first half of the episode. So we get okay, this montage, so... and Gomtang is able to, like, 
actually free himself from being absorbed into the anglerfish Nesseray. And, like, he stands up and he's his own character again. And he, like, tries to go over and grab anglerfish Nesseray to stop him from killing Kenta. And they're wrestling for a little bit and he gets knocked away. And then anglerfish Nesseray yeah. summons his own energy beam out of his anglerfish, like, forehead dongle. Yeah, and it's a it cool moment not... <laughs> for a second. It is. It doesn't. And then it does not do anything. No. Well, what it what it does is it makes Anglerfish Nesseray very mad. Right. And then he just kind of super blasts his brother. He's like, "You're not my brother anymore." And then he super blasts him. And then they're just there's fire everywhere, and they're just really they're really pushing the pathos of this of of the of the filial love between a teenager and his monster son there's like fires in the background and i gotta just say at the, i'm just i'm not feeling it in the in the opening i normally am a sucker for anything with like a you know a father-child relationship and the fact that gom tang is just weird and gross looking is is kind of wrecking it for me but yeah, he gets it, kenta gets down yeah and he's like cradling Gomtang, and he's like, "Let's eat Yakiniku again." And there's like some stagger talking back and forth, and they're like, "There's Pinky a bit swear. where like, okay, and then, throughout the episode, and I hate to interrupt you, Dave, but I don't hate it enough no, to not do it. Apparently, um, <laughs> there's a bit that I noticed here that's in my notes where like the entire episode, Gomtang, the only word he has ever said is Kenta, and now right at the end. He has learned how to speak full sentences just in time to have last words before he dies in fire from being lasered by his brother. This is this is the pivot point of this episode where it goes from like, hey, this is a weird, goofy episode about Kenta being dumb and there being a monster egg, to now, like, now things are serious. Yeah, like, it's a hard, just a hard shift. And then... Gomtang is like, thank you, and they pinky swear, and then he does die, and then just kind of disintegrates, and in that moment, I did feel it a little bit. Oh, you know when I, I felt fe- it, Dave? Okay, this is... I felt it immediately after that. Well, wait, hold up. So this is great. In my notes, I just have the words, UNFORGIVABLE, in all caps. And then the next line of my notes is, I feel like a lot fewer things have been unforgiv. And then I pause mid-word because that's as far as I got into typing before Kenta says, I will not forgive you. And I was just like, it's not quite, it doesn't have quite the punch of unforgivable, but you got there. Right. So he, he turns to him. He gets a very intense face. He says, I won't forgive you. And then he does the best kind of henshin, which is running at the monster while shouting, through like running through flames as like the sort of image of him is warped by like the heat waves of the fire it's extremely dope uh yeah he he runs in he equips the battle riser which gives him his good punches uh he punches him to death immediately and then bbb shows up and we go into a giant fight this is something I never noticed about the Battle Riser, which is he always does two moves in succession. It's Battle Riser and Battle Punch, or Riser, Riser Chop and Riser Punch. And mm-hmm. he, like, runs and does, like, a flying dive chop. 
Uh-huh. And it like cuts away, and they use the footage they have of the dive chop. And then immediately afterwards, he does riser punch, which is also a flying forward punch. So what has to happen is that he has to like run forward, j- leap, leap into the air, deliver riser punch. While the monster is staggered, he stops, like backs up 20 feet, gets another <laughs> running start and does another diving punch. It's the only thing that makes sense. Hey, anyway, they the Nazare, the if nothing, are if nothing else, patient. Yeah, uh, which is very polite of them. They summon Galaxy Mega. It's a pretty straightforward fight, except for the fact that uh, Anglerfish Nazare does turn his Galaxy Shield and the arm behind it into stone, mm-hmm. which is pretty neat, and then therefore justifies them summoning Delta Mega. Now, when they combine with Delta Mega, the stone does magically reset itself. Well, because uh, Delta Mega sh- like destroys the anglerfish like beam mechanism, and that oh, like, resets you know what? I something. must have been taking. Thank you. I must have been taking notes in that moment. Yeah, and then that's that's basically yeah. That's, now, that's Dave, it. I don't think we've talked about this. How do you feel about Galaxy Mega's finishing move, where his fists come off and like fly towards the enemy and punch them? I'm torn about it, Matt, because in, generally speaking, I'm a big fan of fists fly off and punch you with rockets. It doesn't. It doesn't quite it doesn't seem vibe right. For me. Right? Yeah, it's not, it doesn't seem thematically appropriate. We've gone from sword and shield and Gatling fingers to like rocket fists. It feels like we should have some sort of Gatling sword or a Gatling right, shield like, or a laser, if the fists, laser sword Gatling if or the something. If fists turned into energy, like if they became laser fists or if they exploded, that would be one thing. But they're just like fists. They just punch yeah. real good. And yeah, did I write Super Galaxy Mega Death Punch in all caps with exclamation point in my notes? Yeah, and that was fun, but it's a weird move. Anyway, that's all about that. No, yep, that's it. And that's it for the so, fight. So uh, that's basically that's basically it. Now he does. Uh, we've got a short scene where Kent is alone on the swings. He's very sad, and then he kind of glances over, and there's like a gomtang plush, like a little plush doll at his baby form, and he picks it up, and he's like, "Oh my gosh, this is amazing!" And Shisato pops out. And she's like, oh, be careful with that. It took a long time, and it was difficult to make. Which, let me just say, incredible work, Shisato. Oh, of course. Like, truly astonishing. Anyways, he's like, oh, I'm so sad. Like, my little buddy loved Korean barbecue. A, of course he loved it. It's all you ever fed him. B, he's like, Shisato, I want to say thanks. I, I just, I want to get you some Korean barbecue. And then as soon as he it's says like, that, my everybody treat. else pops up and they're like, hooray, Korean barbecue for everybody on Kenta. And then Kenta's very angry. He's like, you guys need a job. And then the right, episode Which ends. is funny because he also doesn't have a job anymore because he got fired earlier that day. And of course, they're just going to go to Korean barbecue at the same restaurant where Kenta just got fired, which I don't think is what you do if you get fired from a restaurant, right? Like, if you're ever going to go back to a restaurant you get fired at, you don't do it that day. I've never worked in restaurants, but... I was going to say, I've worked in a lot of restaurants. I've never been fired from one, so I wouldn't know. So, that's the end of this episode, Matt. 
Yes, Dave, but of course it's not the end of our episode, because first we need to determine where Anglerfish Nazare lands in the Creature Royale. I do like this guy. I do like this guy. He's got a cool vibe. I like the idea of of merging with another monster, especially like you've got to hunt it down and force it to do it. That's kind of a new twist. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a good comparison point for this guy. And I'm having a little bit we of don't trouble. Have a, well, there's not a lot of fish monsters is the problem. No, but there are, are there any monsters that have unwilling accomplices? Yeah, not a lot of fish monsters, Matt. We do have one other monster that used a beam to turn people into a mineral, and that's Bara Gold from O-Ranger at spot number 108. Okay, lucky number 108. I dig that. Now, the Bara Gold episode was like, this episode is weird and not bad, but the Bara Gold episode I remember being particularly good and like creepy because there was a lot of like people getting like sucked into like greed for money and then that greed having them turn into gold and then as it turns out like it was originally like a golden dog statue that they were like worshiping and then it turned into a monster and turned them all into gold and killed a bunch of people like it was a that was a whole thing this is an interesting episode about like a monster pet right underneath that Oh, okay. You know what, man? There's no comparison in which this is going to look good because the other monster pet episodes are like Puton from um, Jetman. And Puton is like way up there. Um, so as I'm looking at this list, like, dude, below that is like Purse Monk with the Sweet Dunks, Diamond Dimension, uh, Nupafuofu, the Weird Face Licker, and then Mujin of the Manga Artist. Okay, ZZ yeah. Zeri, the Fashion Designer. Yeah, breaking, okay. re- rebuilt breaking, faucet dimension. Okay, faucet dimension. I feel like we're getting into the right zone, right? Yeah. Now we're now we're okay. Actually, Kukukuton. I like him better than Kukukuton. And and remind the good people, Dave, which one was Kukukuton? Kukukuton was a weird, very fast like sphinx monster with a monocle and like a laser lens focusing staff that went to find a necklace. So I like him better than QQQTon. Okay, yes, that was the episode where the um where there was like a princess who had a necklace who had come to town for a book fair, right? Yeah, that sounds very All of this sounds made up. familiar. Well, the whole thing is made up, man. I mean, it's, you know. Well, true, but it sounds like we made it up. Uh, anyway, so you think the new uh, 131 between Fawcett Dimension and QQQTon? Yeah, that is, that's, that's kind of where I think he's at, Matt. I think that's fair. Not a bad episode, and not a bad monster, to be honest, but not like... Not one that we're going to be remembering fondly, like, oh gosh, do you remember the the pure, like the high ecstasies of the episode with Anglerfish Nazare? <laughs> this is not one of those monsters I'm going to always keep a screenshot for in the photos I, on my phone. 
the way that I'll just like never not have a picture of um, Noodle Dimension. Man. Wait, Noodle Dimension or God Noodle? God Noodle, God Noodle, sorry. Dude, dude, one of the all-time greats. One of the all-time greats. Yeah. Anyway, thank you folks for listening to this, the 300th episode of the Super Sentai Brothers. This has been, in specific, another episode of uh, The Spy Who Loved Mega Ranger. And before we finish up here, we'd like to remind you all that you can email the show at supersentaibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out the things that we are talking about on Twitter, we are on there at Super Sentai Bros. If you like the show, please remember that shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe. That would be very sweet of you. Tell a friend. And we're in the middle of the season, but we just had a milestone. That's a reason to tell a friend, right? Probably. Seems like it to me anyway. The Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. If you want to catch any of the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows, you can find them all at RetrogradeOrbitRadio.com. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on Earth. Mega, mega.